0: You are listening to America's Entrepreneur, the podcast designed to educate, entertain, and inspire you in your personal and professional journey. I'm your host, Aaron Spatz, and on the podcast, I interview entrepreneurs, industry experts, and other high achievers as they detail their personal and professional journeys in business. My goal is to glean their experiences into actionable insights that you can apply to your own journey. If you're new to the show, we've spoken with successful entrepreneurs, Grammy Award winning artists, best selling authors, chief executives, and other fascinating minds with unique experiences. We've covered topics such as how to achieve breakthrough in business, growing startups, effective leadership techniques, and much more. If you strive for continual self-improvement and enjoy fascinating and insightful conversation, hit the subscribe button. You'll love it here at America's Entrepreneur. Really, really excited that you're here, and I'm really excited to welcome our guest this week. Uh, we have Matt Lewis. Matt comes to us uh, from the United States Army. had a uh, had a great conversation with him previously about some of the work that he's doing. So he's had he's had a phenomenal career uh, spanning several different companies and several different opportunities. And I'm going to shamelessly plug his book that, that he's so kindly put out. It's just called Mission Transition, the Navigating the Opportunities and Obstacles to Your Post-Military Career. So I'm incredibly grateful that he's authored that and shared it with me. And I hope that you'll, you'll pick it up as well. So anyway, Matt, I just want to welcome you, man. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me, Aaron. I really appreciate it. Uh, really looking forward to the conversation and truly really the honor is mine.
0: Fantastic. Well, you know, I I love to open up every every one of these with just a quick let's do just a quick uh, little little history about who you are. What what it's like, what were you like as a kid? What inspired you to join the military? What 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 was that whole process that journey like for you?
1: Sure. Well, I'm the oldest of six kids, uh, middle class uh, paternalistic family uh, here in Cincinnati, Ohio, That's where I still currently reside. Uh, for me, growing up and being, you know, the oldest in a, a large family uh, that didn't have a lot of uh, wealth, I knew that my collegiate experience was likely not going to be uh, provided <laughs> by anyone in my family, and so sure. uh, I, I did well enough in school and well enough in um, athletics. Um, yeah football track among them, uh, that I was getting some looks uh, from some, uh, you know, fairly reputable schools. I also happened to live right across the street from um, a gentleman that was an American high school hall of fame coach and was a huge influence on not just my own father, but a, a good many of my extended family. And he's the one that suggested that I look into the service academies or that my father had me look into the service academies. And so that was the the seed that was planted. And the more I looked into it, uh, the more I saw a couple things. One, for me, it was an avenue to um, number one, an Ivy League caliber education. Number two, uh, a full time job upon graduation, which wasn't a guarantee back in those days. And uh, you know, three, the ability to pick up skill set and, and lead coming out. So, um, you know, that that made all the sense in the world to me at the time. And uh, an opportunity to play football too, which was uh, on my agenda then. That that dream didn't come to pass, but uh, it was at least a bridge to to West Point.
0: Sure. Well, I mean that's a that's a terrific story, and I think you know, there's a lot of people who just aren't aware of the options related to service academies and ROTC and some of these other programs that that are available to people. And so, I mean, the way that you articulate that is really, like, really, it, it's really neat because you, like you said, you're able to you're able to kind of knock knock several things off your list. All in all in one shot. And it really does. It, it's it's a, at least in my experience, it's been it's been an experience going through going through the military is something that just really sets you up for the rest of your life, the rest of your career and kind of helps frame some of the things that you do and the, the thought process that goes into that. So like share, share with us a little bit about then your time in and then your your decision to get out. What, what was that? What was that journey like for you there?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was on active duty and I had a long career after active duty, all told, including my time at the academy, about 25 years. So uh, four at the academy, five on active, another 16 in the reserves. Uh, when I was on active would have been, you know, 91 through to 96 time frame. Uh, this was uh, post first Gulf war drawdown time period. Uh, not a great time to be on on active duty if you're looking to have, uh, you know, a lot of money thrown at your unit for training purposes and whatnot. Uh, Kind of the opposite was taking place. And because of that, from where I sat, I I was in a position in an armor unit. I I, I graduated as as an armor officer and uh, spent five years coming up through the ranks there, uh, various platoon leaders, tank platoon leader, scout platoon leader, executive officer, regimental staff, et cetera. Uh, There just there wasn't a a real bright future uh, because, again, just being the the, the drawdown army as it was. And so uh, and and at that time, I was I was actually married by the time uh, I was leaving active duty. And I I saw continuance on active duty uh, was going to entail further relocations. My my wife is a physician at that time was in medical school. And it, all of those logistics involved just complicated things for me, just life in general. And so I made the, the decision to, to leave, active duty, that is. Um, and I saw the transition to the civilian world. I recognized enough in myself that having spent at that point almost a decade of my life, in the military, uh, that making that hard cut to the civilian world wasn't going to be an easy thing. And so I saw graduate school as kind of an, uh, a bridge, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and so I use that as my transition vehicle, two years full time to, as I called it at the time, deprogram. Uh, and, and really do a couple of things I mean there's some truth to that but uh, you know truth of the matter is it did a couple of things for me. One obviously allowed me to upskill uh, and, and acquire some some things that I didn't have at that point in time that I was going to need to be successful in the civilian world. Uh, And in in the course of doing so was rubbing elbows with people that had worked in the civilian world and and so could kind of become culturally acclimatized, if you will, uh, to how the real world was going to, to operate. And, you know, there's definitely and my book certainly gets into that. There's some time needed for reflection. On uh, kind of understanding who you are and who you want to be and where you, you and what you bring to the world uh, is going to fit, uh, you know, based on what those opportunities look like when you
0: get out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shamelessly plug this for you. Okay. So um, yeah, you go into, there's a section, several sections I marked in this book, but when you go to the uh, understand who you are section, right. And there's a phrase that you used in there. I've heard, I've heard it used in maybe different, different frames before, but um, it was a great way to see this phrase the way that you used it, which is, you know, understanding your true north also help you understand how to relate to others. And so I thought that was a great, great statement. And then you kind of you broke it down. You know, first who, then what, and then you had like the self discovery sequence. And I think that's kind of right. That's kind of what you're, you're what you're talking about right now, right? Is like you're kind of going through this journey of, okay, you know, I, I I was known as, and I I was, you know, I was an armor officer. Now I'm in business school, and it you know it's given me some time to kind of figure out, okay, who, who the heck am I? You know, like what is what does this all look like?
1: Yeah, just some context on that. I mean, the the book is a product of. 20 going on 30 years now of, of experience, and not only going through my own journey, but helping others make the same journey, <laughs> which is not easy. Uh, when I left active, you know, there was relatively little. Uh, there was a program by the name of ACAP, Army Career Alumni Program, it was in its infancy. It was literally administering your last five days on active duty. It's an exercise in the blind leading the blind. and uh yeah i and and i wasn't alone every veteran of my generation was the same thing and uh we had to fend for ourselves and necessity being the mother of invention i I, took uh used things such as you know dick Bowles, what colors your parachute and a number of other guides uh to help you know uh, undertake a series of exercises and do self-reflection come up with what needed to be done. And so that's purposely the way that I approach the book. It is a field manual. It is crawl walk around step one, two, three. You made reference to some of the exercises in there. It's purposely laid out that way uh, so that those transitioning from the military can easily adapt uh, to their way of thinking, their way of uh, approaching a problem set and and taking that on, doing their own self-discovery and finding out, you know, (laughs) where their their proper landing spot is in the real world.
0: No, I and I'm going to jump back in here again, because the the book and again, for those that are watching this, like, please know, Matt did not slip me a twenty thousand dollar check to plug his book like this is really this really is a like a solid, solid reference. He was kind enough to provide this to me in advance, and I took the time to to go through it and to pick out a few points that I thought would just be really awesome value add. And I don't care where you are in your journey, whether you just got out a year ago or you've been out of the, out of the service for 10, 20 years. I think there's a lot of really great things worthy of kind of revisiting. And so Matt, one thing I was going to say about the book was, um, I like how you you laid it out, and that's one of the things I noticed throughout the whole book was there's there's a theme, and it was very sequential, right? So like we're all very very logical animals. I know coming from uh, if I mean you in armor, I came from a field artillery background as a field artillery officer. So I mean everything is you know, SOP, and, and it does, and that's not just limited to those MOSs. I mean everywhere in the military. Everything is driven by SOPs. And so I like the way it was laid out because it it makes the people that are like, especially the people who just love checklists and procedures, it, right. it speaks to those people for sure, because it's like, okay... I'm going to do this first. OK, then I'm going to do this. And it, it but it does. It sets you up. And then as you advance through the book, you know, kind of how you would lead off, like when it was like the section about in uh, negotiating a job offer, you're like, hey, you know, congratulations, you've done all these other million things right to get to this point. Like there's a lot of stuff that you had to do. And so, you know, there's a chart in here that talks about, which I I thought was really fascinating. So it showed the transition the transitioning veteran and it showed like all the different branches that they can go to. So it's like non-government service, college graduate or college slash graduate school and then government service. And it just continues to branch its way out from there. So really, really, really awesome visual in terms of what's available to you as a veteran or as someone who's going to retire. Yeah. It's kind of, I think
1: I call it the career decision tree and you know, And I I pulled it together, kind of going back, putting myself in my 25, 26-year-old shoes and folks pondering a similar decision today in the – yeah, the world is your oyster, but let's let's break that down a little bit. Yes, you can and go do anything, but what are the typical paths that are available to you given the skill sets you've acquired through X number of years you've had in service today? date? Right. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's that's why I did that. By the way, interesting that you're artillery, which means that we're both going to have hearing problems at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I get one other comment over my shoulder here, you, you see the book, but just below it, uh, just to give it a little street cred, Uh, It was just awarded a a silver book award by the Nonfiction Authors
0: Association. Congratulations. That's awesome.
1: There's a lot written on this topic, a a lot of good intent out there. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm proud that it's finally gotten some recognition.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I, I think it's probably because to me, it just seems like you took the time to put together a quality product right and so that's just that's just that's my just initial from the hip assessment it just it looks like this may have taken you this may have taken you a few minutes to put together but yeah. i i think it's reflective like i think it's that the quality is there right and so yeah. i guess i guess i'm saying it doesn't surprise me that it's picking up some recognition which i think is i think is terrific so you know so let's let's shift gears a little bit and we can we can we can revisit the book i'm going to make sure we come back to it um during, during our talk here, but. Talk me through then. So you're 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 in grad school or you're in business school. Rather, you finish business school and then you're now embarking on your professional journey. So what, what what was that like for you? Right. So part of my own self-discovery sequence through grad school and doing my own set of
1: exercises was maneuvering through what I want to be when I grew up. Coming out of the, the military, I initially had a thought that human resources was where I wanted to be. Uh, coming from the Army, dealing with a lot of people, um, the people being the mission, et cetera. Uh, but I understood doing some job shadowing and, and some other uh, approaches that that wasn't where my skill set truly was, which was more in operations. And uh, so that's where I ended up focusing on graduate school operations, and finance and how I parlayed that into the real world uh, is through some operations roles, initially a Procter & Gamble. That's where I initially landed coming out of graduate school. Uh, I had at least in my mind and had been told uh, I, I had an opportunity to have a broad-based uh, operational uh, series of, of uh, roles at that organization, but came to find out given, again, an introduction to various corporate cultures, Procter & Gamble corporate culture, it's termed from, promote from within. And they're, I think finally in the, the midst of trying to, to change that and that they're hiring people from the outside. but forever in a day, it was you You started at, at the lowest level and then worked your way up in that specific role or function in in the business. If you wanted to change roles or functions, you'd have to stop, in essence, forfeit whatever promotions you would gotten and go back to the bottom again in that new function. And in order to have that broad-based experience I want, I would have had to forfeit some promotions. And I, I wasn't... Uh, <laughs> Of the mind to do that at the time, yeah. uh, more short-term than long-term thinking, but nonetheless. Uh, and so from there, I looked at and this. Now we're talking the the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and this these were the waning days of Jack Welch's tenure at GE. And they were hiring in the midst of the, hiring their last wave of black belts. And so I interviewed for that, you know, from an, an operator standpoint, what better skill set to pick up than that? And so long story short, hired on with General Electric initially in their aviation division. They should be down to Dallas, Texas, working at one of their overhaul shops. That's when 9-11 happened. And uh, you know what happened to the aviation industry? Uh, You know, not a lot of uh, promise there, at least for the. the, But I did finish out my uh, tenure as a black belt. Uh, They uh, transferred me over to their medical systems division, moved me to Milwaukee, uh, quite a, a cultural shift in and of itself, going from Texas to Milwaukee, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, from an overhaul shop for jet engines to now uh, running shop floors for x-ray systems, MR systems, um, CT systems, et cetera. And uh, did that for a few years. Then my wife and I started having kids. And then suddenly, for the first time in my career, I uh, was forced to make a decision at as to whether or not location was going to draw drive the the job decision, or you know, whereas to date it had been vice versa, I was going to go wherever the job was. Sure. And so we, you know, had uh, a, a tough talk about that, and ultimately decided to come back home, where I'm at now in Cincinnati, and decided we we'd figure out the job thing, but we were going to come home and have uh, a support network, uh, which we obviously have now. And our kids are much older now, but uh, that resulted in me uh, being at the weight where I've been the past
0: seventeen years now. Wow, that, that's amazing. And the, you know, what you, you mentioned something earlier you know, when you're at the, I think it was, yeah, when you're talking about Procter and Gamble. And so the, and I've seen this in other companies as well. But curious what your thoughts are on the on the mantra that a lot of companies adopt when it comes to hiring with, with from within first. And so is there, do you feel like there are inherent strengths and we, I, I like there's some obvious strengths and weaknesses to it. Right. But then do you think there, do you think there's a, a model that works clearly better than the other, whether it's, Hey, we're going to look within first, go external second, or do we just go external or, or we just leave, we, we wait both of them equally and we just allow Whoever shows up, the best candidate to show up. Like, have you have you seen that play out? Or did, like, do you do, do you have a do, do you have an opinion on it? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh,
1: I don't know that I've seen a, a blend uh, per okay. se. Uh, just given uh, my exposure and <laughs> really the cultural differences between a P and G and G GE, they couldn't have been more stark. Uh, okay, it was <laughs> cultural whiplash, uh, as I say. Whereas you know, PEG being very. Old school paternalistic consensus-driven. I mean, just to to play that out. I, at the time, I was buying commodities, plastics, okay. and uh, just your, your the cap on your shampoo bottle. If it, assuming it's made by P and was buying those for the Globe at one point. And uh, to to simply decide who was going to make those caps for the company uh, required about a dozen different signatures on a purchasing recommendation. Wow. That that's how. Consensus-driven, they were in, in that organization, uh, which I guess is fine in terms of having consensus, but not so great in terms of speed to market. That's why yep. at the time, I, I think they it took them at least seven years to get products to market. And, and so I, I, I pull, I, I spotlight that just to illustrate, you know, the, the differences that those cultures can drive, and part of that culture is driven by that promote from within. Uh, whereas, and as of late, uh, my understanding is they're starting to hire, at least in the executive ranks, uh, folks from outside the organization that do bring in different points of view, uh, different ways to go about making these decisions and taking things to market, what have you. Uh, presumably, that's increased the, their ability to and speed to market for for some of their new platforms. Now, contrast that with my experience at a company like General Electric where, uh, man, there are no loyalties, and uh, I, I don't mean to speak ill of them. It was Not a cool. great training ground, uh, but it, it, the differences in culture couldn't have been uh, more stark in, in comparison to, to Procter & Gamble. Uh, it was clearly understood that uh, the, the organization managed to the penny, to the quarter. And, again, you got to consider the the context. This is the end of the Jack Welch era and the beginning of Jeff Immelt and uh GE was the, the star of Wall Street and uh, it, it prided itself on that uh, it was perennially on the Forbes magazine you know uh, best organizations I forget the, the name of the act the actual rating ranking that they did but oddly enough it was never on the best companies to work for list uh, whereas you know Png would would make appearances there so Just a a different dynamic. Um, And anyway, I I illustrate those points to uh, to highlight my opinion, I guess, in answer to your question, uh, which is there's there's strengths to both of those things, but but also weaknesses.
0: Yeah. 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 no, 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 that's cool. That's cool. So then, you know, transitioning then into Deloitte, I mean, you've been you've been with Deloitte for quite some time. So like what was your how did you enter the company? What what would have been your primary responsibilities and like what's what is that what has that experience been like for you? Yep. So, again, I came from GE
1: and I had in my hip pocket my black belt certification and an operations focus at the time. uh, Deloitte was in the process of hiring. Their own I think uh, latest wave of black belts, you know people that had that certification, that background, so I my initial entree into the firm was on the backs of those uh, th- that street cred, if you will, and that was what the focus of my initial projects, but that very quickly dovetailed into doing m a and restructuring. I think I did one or two operations focused uh, projects. And then I believe it was the Sprint Nextel merger was taking place, and they needed someone with a a quality background like mine uh, to help them do the the post-merger integration work on when those two came together in 04 or thereabouts. And so that um, ended up, and it's interesting, it's one of those career threads, if you will, uh, that has really taken me in a completely different direction than I hadn't previously anticipated and uh, th- that has been just a, a a windfall in terms of my career and trajectory around the firm i, I was suddenly working uh, around what I, I believe to this day were some of the, the most intelligent hardest working uh well connected folks in, in the firm doing great things not only for the our clients but but for the firm overall and no. you know, th- those things had been recognized and those folks gradually got pulled up to higher and higher positions and uh in in the m a world if if you do well and were recognized for it, you would kind of get pulled along uh, with them and so that's the the goodness that that happened to my career the The challenge with that. Uh, given the nature of professional services, especially in the consulting game, is you're spending a good many hours uh, not only at the office but somewhere around the country, in someone's else someone else's office. Um, so there's a ton of travel involved. You know, three, four, five days a week you know, is a typical week, and in many hours, whether you're there on the road or or at home. And uh, as my wife and I started to have. Children And as they got older and us making a conscious decision to be, um, uh, you know, involve parents um, and making that our priority, I had to make some career decisions uh, at the firm. And so as much as, you know, they wanted to, to continue to pull me upward and to the right, I, I kind of had to make decisions that took me off of that track. But the, good, the great thing about uh, a firm as large as, as a Deloitte is that you're able to have parallel paths and, and different careers and uh, different roles within the firm. And so I moved from the consulting path to uh, some more internal roles. Okay. And so I, I uh, was working for our CEOs at the U.S. level and then subsequently at the at the global level in consulting and tax and legal. So it, it's led to lots of wonderful places. I, again, I never would have anticipated
0: back in the day. All right. Well, I mean it's it's just it's just a testament to how. And feel free to disagree with this, but it just it's interesting though because oftentimes I think we can think that we're going to pigeonhole ourselves into one corner of our career, and that's all we're going to ever be known as. But the reality is, at least this is just this is my opinion. This is my observation is. I've seen people successfully. Very successfully, in fact, jump from something to something else because an opportunity presented itself. They were able to jump into it, have a great time doing so, and then it it opened up additional opportunities. And now, whether or not they want to continue into that is fine. And then, and then on the backside of that, kind of like your your examples, like you'll you're you're simply just aligning your priorities right your family is taking a, a higher priority and so you're just simply re keeping every, keeping your priorities list the way it needs to be right and so you're just you're just making a couple of tweaks and adjustments and you know l- let your career go wherever direction it ends up going but it's uh it, it's it's a fascinating study to see where y- you think you started somewhere and then you're able to go do other things and and just how opportunities can just continue to present themselves yeah
1: and and you know aaron the story's not over i'm uh, i'm kind of in the midst of making another one of those pivots you know we we refer to the book effort here but uh, it's more than just that book i kind of have real personal passion around uh really eliminating the civil military divide in the country and i'm approaching that through multiple angles the the first book obviously is focused on the military side I have a second book and draft that HarperCollins has also laid claim to. It's focused on the civilian side, trying to educate corporate leaders about who veterans are and how in a practical way you go about identifying, recruiting, hiring, training, retaining this incredibly valuable talent pool that they likely don't even know exists. Wow. least studies would tell us. Uh, but even if you do those, uh, there's still a gap in terms of the warm handoff from the services to local communities all around the country. And so I'm a big proponent, uh, advocate for veteran collaboratives as uh, an optimal business model to enable that warm handoff. So anyway, yeah. the, the, the point is, as I've gotten more involved and in, in the book's getting recognized and the second book's getting picked up, uh, et cetera, it's leading to a host of other opportunities that, are going to lead me who knows where, but uh, it's, it's other options that again uh, tied to my own personal passions. What I, what I want to do.
0: You know, that, that's a, that's a great word. Options. You're just, you're creating options for yourself. So it's, and I think that's, I think it's important for people to realize that like they can, they can go pursue other things. Maybe it's in their off time, after hours, whatever the case may be but there, there is, there are unlimited opportunities for people. And if you just take the time to go pursue those, explore those options, like you might discover you don't want it. You don't like it. That's okay. But at least you went and explored it or you might go explore something else. You're like, I mean, this is really freaking cool. Like I want to keep doing this. Like, this is awesome. So it's like, I, I just think that's, I think that's really great advice in, in that point. And to your second book, I almost, I mean, this book is obviously it's phenomenal. I think that second book could be even more so because you're you're giving you're giving tools to a group that may or may not completely understand or fully utilize or take advantage of in a healthy way the the resources and the the ingenuity and the in the in the drive. And just the raw talent that's available in military veterans. And so I think that will be a great, great, great tool to help kind of translate that and put it in the perspective of companies and executive leadership and employers just in general. So I think I, I think that's terrific. So, yeah,
1: yeah you're, you're absolutely right. It's a couple of points on that to your, your veterans yeah. that may be listening. Yeah, uh, you know, I would highly encourage you to. Uh, Take advantage of any and all, call it internship apprenticeship opportunities coming out of the service. Skill bridge, uh, hiring our heroes, anything like that that enables you to get boots on the ground and to some civilian organization to prove or deny your career hypothesis is going to pay huge dividends. My own personal story, my internship during graduate school was an abysmal failure. <laughs> in, in, in terms of uh, you know, I, I thought I wanted to go into automotive. My undergraduate degree was in automotive systems. I went and interned at a a big three. I won't I won't name the the company, uh, auto plant in the greater Indianapolis area, and I learned within just a couple of weeks that no way in hell did I want to work in this industry uh, for a number of factors. I Again, I won't go into. So, although that was a failure, it. it Totally sent me in a a direction to where my career is now, and it prevented what would have been for me a false start had I not had that you know initial failure. Sure. um, Anyway, the the, the second point I would make uh, to to the point of and Deloitte's been great in in terms of uh, you know supporting my own personal passion projects. That said, you know it's all on kind of my time and my dime, and so. In order to create options for yourself, you may have to work beyond you know the the nine to five time frame that, that your day job would have. Yep. Uh, it, it does take work, but the the the, the work has its rewards.
0: Darn right. And no one's just going to come drop it on, on, on your lap either. I mean, if there's something you want to go pursue, you got to go pursue it. I like, you'll get me hot on that one because I'm very passionate about that. I could, I could talk your ear off for, for days about that. But, um, but no, I, I want to, I want to sh- shift gears a little bit. So there's another, you're, you're, you're start, I feel like we're starting to go there anyway. So this is kind of, it's perfect, but you know, further, further into the book, you talk about networking, right? So, um, there's a specific chapter in the book called document your network and, and which I thought was a really, really great read. And it's a great, I, I think it's a great way to frame the way people think networking. Cause there, you even talk about in here, how you don't say it this way. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but something about like networking can be a bit of a dirty word, right? It can, it has like a, it can have like a negative connotation to it. And you, you're, you were talking about you know, overcoming some of these negative perceptions and then you get, you get down to, and this is you you said it so well, and 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 then I'll 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 give you the floor, and you can just run with this. But you know, networking is a two way street, right? So like, talk more about that.
1: Absolutely. So the, the, those coming out of the military, I think, will appreciate that networking, and I use the the air quotes there. It, it was traditionally viewed as a negative thing. It was viewed as kissing somebody's rear end to get. Uh, yourself someplace that you didn't deserve or that you didn't earn. Uh, But, you know, you kind of have to put that aside when you enter the real world, because networking is just it's the way the world works. The difference is it's not a, a one way street where you're kissing someone's rear end to get ahead. The proper way to view networking is that it's a mutually beneficial exchange. Now, initially coming out of the the service, if you're coming from the military, you, you may not have a, a lot to offer. But that said, it shouldn't prevent you from offering at the end of a, a conversation with uh, a networking target that you're speaking with is, you know, this is great. This is very helpful. Is there anything I could do that could potentially help you? Um you know, and and but as you get older in uh, places like Aaron and I are in our careers, it's absolutely something that you can do to to help give back uh, as much as you would want to ask for something uh, from the other person.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's a uh, it it's something that I think is just so important. And I and I and I think you hit it on the head because it's so I think it can be misunderstood. Right. And and I, I think it's important to clear that up. And what there's been one thing that I've I've encouraged folks to do in this. This only works if you have a good time horizon. And this can this this applies whether you're in service or if you're out of service. It doesn't matter if you're civilian or or foreign military. But it's you know, setting up informational interviews, So that's not networking. So to be clear, but it's a it's a form of networking for yourself in terms of if you're if you're looking at maybe tasting and trying something else. And at the end of it, you know, especially again, if you're taking if you're taking away all the potential issues that somebody would have because they don't want to feel pressured to make a, an opening for you. They don't want to feel pressured to have to do anything. So if you, if you de-risk it for them right. and you're like, Hey, you know, I've always wanted to learn about what it's like to work at a big consulting company. Do you, right. do you got like 20 minutes, Matt, that I could talk with you and just, I'd like, I'd like to just understand a little bit about what what you do. It, you do it right. You you're going to have some amazing conversations. And then That's to fair. your point, to your point just a minute ago, then you're, you might ask, well, Hey, is there something you're looking for? Like, are you are you in the job market? And and so it might create opportunities. You know, you may you may have an opening you, or you may have a buddy across town or another part of the country. And so you just you never know where those things lead to. And, it, and it's a great way for people, especially if they have again, if they have time. You're able to de-risk it for the person that you're approaching. Right. But that's that's just that's one technique I've seen people use yeah. very, very successfully to land in some really awesome places.
1: Yeah. Worst case, you're going to learn something. Um, <laughs> that, that's a great one. The, the next step beyond that is job shadowing where you're literally falling behind someone for a portion of a day, yeah. like, you know, a, a mile in their shoes, if you will. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, approach it from that standpoint, you'll be fine. What I would tell you not to do, and I have seen this in some instances where some folks come out and feel as if they're they're entitled to, to something, to some role based yep. on what they've done. That's that's not the way it is, my friends. You will earn everything in the real world the same way you earned everything in the military. So come in with that understanding.
0: And it goes it goes back to some of the earlier points you made in, in, in the book about translating what you've done into civilian speak way people understand and i and i'll i'll say the rest of it people people can pick up a copy of this and read it because there you go a lot more into the tactical of the job offer the closing the deal the getting started all those things so again it's a it's a it's a phenomenal read i i like thank you for putting it together and i think it's a uh, i think it really will be a, a, a huge help for those that are either transitioned out i still think it it, it applies even if you're if you've already made the transition i think there's uh, it it may even be even more so because you've had the you've had the opportunity to look back, and like, crap, I messed up. I messed those couple steps up. Let me try this again. And let me use this as a blueprint to help me get from here to where I want to go. And so anyway, I, I I think it's terrific, Matt. So thank you. Thanks for sharing that with me.
1: So well, that's a great. It's a great word, blueprint. And uh, I appreciate that. It's really been a personal passion project. And, and let me just add to your to your listeners beyond the book itself. Uh, There's a huge amount of resources on my website under the resources tab. Literally a quarter of the original manuscript is out there for free. The other thing that I've done is turned the book into a series of video courses. So there's 21 video courses based on the book on my website under courses, all for free. Wow.
0: That's fun. That's, that's phenomenal. So I'll, I'll fl- flash this up again here for you. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, guys, mission transition, go, go, go pick it up. You, you will not be disappointed. So Matt, let's, let's shift gears now. So I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want to end there. We still, we, we still got time. So we're going we're gonna to keep trucking. So Let's talk now a little bit more about the consulting world, right? So you've been in the consulting world for a number of years. You shared with me an example of, you know, how you're able to kind of parlay some of your opportunities into into other opportunities and some of the decisions you made. So for those that have always been fascinated by the prospect of working at a consulting firm, what like what are some things that people need to know, things that you would. You wouldn't some of the some of the great strengths or some of the and some of the like the things that you may may need to like be aware of.
1: Sure. Um, and, and again, not to comp- continue to point back to the book, but I do tease out some of these professions and some of the, the skills that are needed in there, uh, challenges, whatnot. So you'll find some of that in the book. But sure. uh, I guess let me start on what, what some of the perils are. I'd I mentioned the, the nature of the consulting business involving uh, significant amounts of travel. That's obviously changed in COVID world. Uh, what it'll look like uh, when we come out of this thing remains to be seen, but I, I suspect it'll still involve a, a decent amount of travel. There's just nothing that replaces the, the face-to-face human contact. And when you're making you know, large changes in, uh, at, at an executive level in the business world, it typically requires that in-person uh, situation to, to make sufficient uh, degrees of progress. Yeah. So uh, what are you as a consultant? You're uh, you're working as a member of a professional services firm. You were hired to help organizations solve completely complex projects that they couldn't solve themselves. Uh, If they could, they wouldn't be hiring you. So first understand that the work isn't easy. It always tends to be complex. Also understand that your clients, I mean, put yourselves in their shoes. If if they could get it done themselves, they would. And if they didn't have to pay you, they wouldn't. So you're kind of under the gun from the get-go. Uh, to To get things done as effectively, efficiently as as possible, and as high quality as possible, so there's quite a bit of pressure just in general uh, in the profession beyond the fact that you're constantly traveling and on the road. Uh, that said, it's also very personally rewarding. I mean. Some people love to travel, so it's it's great. It's right up their alley, and uh, as long as you make you know whatever agreements you need to with your your better half and with your family members and what what have you, that typically becomes the challenge. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it, the other really rewarding thing is not only seeing your work come to fruition, um, and I'll just I'll tell a quick story just to. Yeah, sure. That's my corporate uh, environment from the, the consulting skills. Uh, the other in the consulting world, at the end of the day, you're, you're the nature of these projects tends to have a large impact. And so the result many times you'll see right on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. So that's pretty cool uh, in terms of immediate feedback of, of the work that you see. Now, you won't be named by name. Sure. More times than not. But you at least get to see that the fruits of your labor there. So for for me one of the big differences between kind of working in, in the big corporate environment you know the PNGs the GE's and, and those like them as an employee many times organizations that large they take on a, a, some level of bureaucracy just the, the 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 nature of the beast and so while you at whatever level you're at in the organization may have a great idea that idea has to go through its proper channels and be vetted and you know, it struggles to see the light of day. I'll just yeah. put it that way. Now, suddenly, I I found myself and when I initially started consulting, one of the very refreshing things was I was putting forth similar ideas, similar thought patterns in approaching these business challenges. But now suddenly, because organizations are paying to have me there and to put forth you know approaches to their problems that they've been struggling with. It, it, they were all ears and they were suddenly implementing this from just a very personal, rewarding standpoint, it um, you know, reinforce my own ego. You know, I'm not, I'm not crazy. And what I do have to say does offer some value. Uh, so that was personally rewarding.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it, it, it's funny. So I, like, I do consulting, not nearly to this, like to scale, like Deloitte, McKinsey, all these other big names, but I, I get what you're saying with like, you know, you're presenting ideas or a methodology or a framework with which you're going to approach a problem. Right. And it's, it's amazing because, you know, what, what, you, what you say matters, right? What you're, or, or if, if it's not your idea originally, you're, you're at least facilitating those discussions and helping kind of draw Draw to a conclusion at some point. So, like with with your experience, are, again, I'm I'm asking for the benefit. So, the, those because there's a lot of folks out there just genuinely interested in like, okay, what what is all this crap like? What is it like? Like, what is what is the inside? So, are you working on projects as a team? Is it is it solo work? I know it's generally teamwork, and then with that though, like, what's what's an example of a project? I mean, obviously, uh, protect protecting people's identities, but like, what what's an example of of, of a tip, typical project? Which I know, I know there's no such thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you're coming up through the ranks, uh, the, the work takes on uh, multiple nuances. And uh, it really, it, it kind of parallels the, the career path. And when I say yeah. career path, I mean, uh, you, know, you can decide to focus over time on a given service area, whether it's finance, marketing, operations, what have you, and or a specific industry. Say so you want to focus on oil and gas and energy, or healthcare, or banking, or whatever it is. So there's kind of a matrix, if you will, uh, about the economy in general, uh, but also within whatever organization you're in, they tend to be mapped similarly. Um, so anyway, the the work will vary. To your specific question around projects, you know, my. Um, An initial project was probably about six months, and the the scope of it was to help uh, overhaul uh, one of the Air Force's uh, repair places uh, out in Oklahoma City. Uh, and it was part of a, a combination of, of firms. It was Deloitte and a number of others that, that that went in and pulled this thing together. And so, you know, it, it would involve. So, I, one, I was traveling um, and, you know, living out of a hotel four or five days a week. You'd be at the client site, you know, first thing in the morning, typical business hours. Uh, although, uh, you know, a good many days you'd be working either at the client site, the late hours, or you would go back to the hotel and continue working after hours. Because I mean, after all, you, you don't have the uh, you know, family and other things that you're going home to. Every right. pretty much Everyone is, is traveling and on the road and therefore, at least theoretically available beyond your, your standard nine to five business hours. So there, there do tend to be extended hours and, and time uh, put forth. So that that's example of one project. There's another example, strategy projects where there's less of a tangible uh, product, if you will, tend to be much shorter duration, much higher burn. I, I did a, a global uh, supply chain strategy project for Big organization, won't name the name on the East Coast. uh, You would know exactly who it is, uh, but literally did it in less than six weeks. And we had to have boots on the ground and every single continent and their different supply chain sites. I've never pulled so many (laughs) all-nighters within six weeks as I did on that project. Um, Part of it is because... Uh, the, the way, the, the nature of competitive service, uh, professional services—we've all kind of bit ourselves down to doing the same work. The work doesn't go away, but doing for less dollars and less time—that's the way we, we tend to, to win things these days. That puts the pressure, though, on those of us actually charged with doing the work, and uh, <laughs> so it, it results in um, really a number of weeks that weren't exactly the funnest in my career, but. Uh, th- that's kind of it. Some of the difference in the yin and yang. Now I'll contrast that. Those are consulting. There's different divisions of professional services firms, like while I'm in, where you know we do people's taxes, both on an individual sure. basis as well as corporate taxes, and that work tends to take on more of an annual. Uh, standard course if you will okay. standard forms that need to be uh fulfilled or produced on a regular basis that obviously amps up on a, on a quarterly basis certainly on an annual basis uh but the, the the nature of the work in those divisions looks very different from say in the the consulting world where it's really project to project uh, a couple weeks or months at a time
0: well yeah no just it's a it's a genuinely fascinating fascinating thing to to talk about and discover. And so I like what's it's one of the things I like to do on the show is help people kind of have a, have a little bit of understanding behind the scenes of what that, you know, what that looks like. So you've been, I mean, you've been there now for, you know, you're, you're getting close to 20 years, man. You've been, you've been there, you've been there for a few minutes now. So like what, what's your, what, what are you working on right now? What's the, what, what's the biggest challenges that you're facing right now?
1: Sure. Well, just to explain the, the, Tenure and the nature—I mean, that it's not by accident. What I found in coming to Deloitte uh, is uh, you know, culture is so huge, and I spend the last couple chapters of the book focused on exactly that. If, if you would do yourself a great favor to spend some time trying to decode the, the culture of the organization you're aspiring to join before actually starting work there. Uh, and I, I, I learned through my experiences at, at P and G and GE to do exactly that part of coming to Deloitte. And so, I, I found the the culture here to be as close to the culture in, in the military and joining it that than I'd had since I left the military. And that's was one of the great things that I really enjoyed coming up through the ranks in the consulting business. Um, so to, to circle back to your question, so the, the consulting ranks, working for CEOs. At, uh, uh, various uh, levels in at, at the U.S. and then at a global level for consulting and tax and legal. Uh, what led to my current position, now I'm back in the U.S. working for the, the tax business. Um, the, again, the tax business, and God love them, these are experts and can quote all of the rules and regulations for every single country of the world, know it by chapter, by verse. And that's just not me. Uh, what I, what I do, my strength is I, I can manage projects. And, and so whereas they, they don't do that and would choose to not do that. And so they, they want someone like me to come in and help them manage their most complex and global projects that they have. Uh, and, and so that they can go do their technical expert work that that they need to do and help the clients. And I'm kind of uh, behind them helping make sure the, the left knows what the right's doing on a global basis and keeping things coordinated. So w- without boring you on all the technical details, that's kind of what I'm doing in, in our U.S. tax business these days.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's that time of year, too. So it's uh, I'm, I imagine you're more than just a little bit busy right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're all good problems to
0: have, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you know, as you, as you look back in your career, like what if, and you may have already mentioned it and if so, that's okay. But like, has there been a moment in your career where you just, you really feel like things just really made a lot of sense or you, you got tremendous amount of clarity as to where you were headed personally and, and, and professionally? Like, was there a moment in, I mean, did it come as you're like writing this book out and like kind of articulating all that? Like what, like, what, what was that moment for you when you're just like, you know what, I feel like I'm doing Exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now.
1: I, there are two two times I'll, I'll call out. Uh, first was you know, soon after I joined Deloitte, and you know I'd mentioned the the cultural dynamics aspect yeah. of the firm, uh, but more than that, it, doing work that applied exactly to my background and and what I'd done, so I could apply my technical expertise. And more than that, working in small teams, as you are uh able to le- utilize my my leadership skills from the military where again you're used to working in, in small teams and helping lead a team and, and influence others and in accepting the solutions that you're trying to to proffer them uh so that was one where everything kind of congealed i look back probably within my first year or two in the firm um i, I just there's a mental picture i have uh we we're home here I, on a Friday or Saturday and my one of my oldest, uh, probably second, third birthday thereabouts. And just looking out and giving a toast to everyone, just feeling that, you know, all is right with the world. This is kind of the, the way things ought to be. Well, you know, fast forward and, you know, I made reference before about. You know, additional work, uh, but getting additional options, and you mentioned the book efforts, and I, I felt exactly that way in the process of, of pulling that that first book together. And, and, and truly, the the scope of of the first book is really just. The first half of the book that i intended to write but as as i got through the book uh a mentor of mine said wait 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 stop here <laughs> this is one book there's a there's a different book here so wow. really these two books uh, are what i intended the original one book to be but anyway in the in the midst of of doing all that i i, I found myself and and i am I would be the last person I'd say it, it would be at, at this point an award-winning author. I, got, I got a D in my freshman year in English. <laughs> so I'm, I'm as surprised as anybody. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. But, but but that's it. You know, putting all that behind, I just felt kind of at one. Uh, seeing that this problem for what it is, but. Uh, over time and working with individuals, kind of seeing a way forward and through this all and having the the passion for getting this solution, as I saw it, into the hands of people uh, that are going to make a huge difference in the, you know, the next generation of, of workers and the yeah. workforce. Uh, th- that's kind of the, the next point in my career where
0: things just really came alive and felt unified it's just, it's got to feel great though, doesn't it? I mean, it's just, it's a great, it's a great feeling. And I, and I, so I'm, I'm making this point on purpose because guys like you and I, and and I'm I'm going to take the liberty of kind of grouping us together. And if not that, you know, you can, you can say no, but you know, like we, we strive to have challenges in our lives. Like we'd like to tackle problems and things. And so I'll, 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 I'll own this one actually. So my tendency can be, once I've achieved something, I'm on to the next thing. Like, I'm just like, okay, I just completed this race, this project, this, whatever it may be. Right. And, then and not taking a ton of time to recognize what that achievement is because I'm so focused on like, okay, well, that was good enough today. It ain't good enough tomorrow. Let's go. You know? And so I, I, I just think it's so important. That's why I like to talk about that sometimes with people, because it's, it's important. And I think that we take the time to slow down every once in a while and just acknowledge what a victory looks like, because we get so we're so focused on process, process improvement, continuous improvement, you know, setting the bar higher and higher and higher and all these things. And so that's all good. But It's important, I think, to just emotionally allow yourself to feel those things so that you're able. I I think it helps give you fuel for other other moments. And I think it also gives you the opportunity to like to look back on that achievement and let it stand on its own. Right. And so I think
1: you're you're spot on, Aaron. And this has been what you said is is exactly me, much to my wife's chagrin. Uh, What? And, you know, I personally struggled with this, the old good, better, best, never let it rest. Your good gets better and your better gets best. That was kind of my mantra coming from life. But I I read something recently. I'll just share this with your audience. It it may help others that have the same burden. Um, A a great saying, uh, better is better than best. And the point is, uh, since you'll never reach the the precipice per se, that the focus should be on the continuous improvement aspect. So never be satisfied with what you have and continue to prove it, but never try to kill yourself to the point where, you know, you, you have to be at the top of the mountain per se.
0: Yeah. It, no, it, it's
1: it, it, the old, it, you know, it's a journey.
0: Yeah. Right. And to, and, and, and again, it's like, appreciate the journey because it's life is this long journey. Like you're, you're you you do not really ever arrive at a, at an end destination, right? It's there, there's this illusion that we, that will arrive somewhere, where everything is just bliss. And I, I don't know, I haven't found it. I don't think it, I don't think such a thing uh, exists here on on this physical earth right now. And so it's just, it's one of those things you just got to, you got to get, you know, it, it, it's like the, like, I think the best analogy might be, you know, like it's like you're hiking along like a mountain Ridge trail, right? There's going to be, there's going to be peaks and dips in that. And so when you're, when you're at the top of that experience, whatever it may be to really appreciate Take it in, take the view in, take the take the that achievement in, and let it stand on its own two feet and appreciate it because those are those are some of the biggest moments of your life where you're going to look back and be like, man, I really I really did do something. And I and I think for anybody listening or watching, I'd like there there is always something to look back on and be be proud of, regardless of how psychotically driven you might be. Um, and you're constantly, I mean, like. Matt no joke i mean i finished i finished a triathlon one time so i finished ironman 70.3 galveston a few several years ago and i'm not even kidding i'm like getting my bike out of transition area already thinking about where the next one's going to be and how i can do better and it's like that's great right but it's like can we just enjoy what we just got done doing too and so it's like that's just it's 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 an important point. I think it's important for people to to reflect and and to and to understand what what they just got done doing. So
1: yeah, my my own personal story in that regard, um, you know, I for me, I, I'm an old offensive lineman. I shouldn't be running marathons, but I you know went and ran a ran a few. I did well enough that I convinced myself I could get my time down to qualify for Boston. But in the process of doing so, I blew out my hips. Oh, so yeah. you know I, again. You get, careful uh with you know the enjoy the better uh and uh not necessarily focus on the best
0: yeah no that's awesome well well matt i just want to thank you again thank you for spending so much time with me again how can how can people best get in touch with you
1: yeah again Aaron, thank you for having me uh and i mentioned my website earlier that the website is matthewjlewis.com lewis as in st Louis. So check that out. Tons of resources, all of the the video courses out there Uh, have at it. And if you have questions, feel free to reach out. Uh, You'll find my email on the website as well.
0: Perfect. And again, the book is Mission Transition, Navigating Opportunities and Obstacles to Your Post-Military Career. Uh, Matt, I think it's a phenomenal work. Thank you for writing it. And again, I just want to thank you for being being with me today. This has been a phenomenal time. I've really, I've really thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks, Aaron. I've really enjoyed it too. Thanks for listening to America's Entrepreneur. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review or comment on your preferred social media platform. Share it out with friends, family, coworkers, others in your network. And of course you can write me directly at Aaron at boldmedia.us. That's A-A-R-O-N at boldmedia.us. Until next time.